Blog Talk Radio. WIJSF.com. Women in Jazz South Florida Inc. is a nonprofit educational organization that promotes women musicians globally through events, concerts, performances, clinics, lectures, workshops, articles, interviews, newsletters, courses, contacts, research, history, archives, websites, film, audio and video recordings, and recognition. Visit us at WIJSF.com. You're listening to blogtalkradio.com slash musicwoman with your host, Diva JC. We're filming today in San Diego for the Hamilton. And that was my mentor. I don't care what the rest of you do. This lady has saved my mental health for about the last 10 years. Every time I call her. Anyway, hi, this is Dr. Diva JC. And today we are going to have our National President Libra Sene interview my mentor, Jeannie Cheatham, Meet Me With Your Black Drawers On, about her life in music and her book. So I'm going to bring them in. Hi, Libra. Good afternoon. How are you, Dr. Jones? I'm just fine. In the middle so of good and Queen um, How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine, thank you. I'm so happy to have Hi, you Dr. back. I... Hi, Jeannie, my favorite person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you, it's such a pleasure to have you back to chat with you. Our last conversation was so inspiring. So I was really looking forward to um, talking to you again. You inspired me so much. So now oh. I, I'm waiting for my copy of my ebook of Meet Me With Your Black Drawers On, and um, I wanted you to talk to us about it a little bit. What inspired you to uh, write a book titled After Your Biggest Hit Song? Could you give us a little insight on that? Well, it didn't start out that way. Um, actually, I was real mad because of the way Big Mama Thornton was was treated, you know? And because uh-huh. uh, I played for Big Mama uh, many times. And uh, I remember when she had that hit, uh, You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog. Mm-hmm. And then along came um, uh, Little Elvis with his promoter, um, and uh, they actually wiped out her 
the, her her record being played on on the radio during that time. They had a they had a lot of payola and stuff, you know, and, you, and if you had a hit, well, it was covered by some some other person that they wanted to really push. They'd wipe you out. You just couldn't get yourself played, and that's what happened to Big Mama's career. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I I thought about it and thought about it all through the years, and I said, Big Mama wasn't treated right because uh, they never like like the Beatles always give. A recognition to the blues singers they took the music from, but uh, Elvis did not say Big Mama's name. I, if, unless I could be wrong, but I never heard say that. Well, because of Big Mama making this record a hit, this music, I am where I am today. So I said, I'm gonna write about Big Mama. I started out writing. First thing I knew, I was letting some friends read it, and I let Jimmy read it. He said, Do you know you're writing a book? I said, I am? <laughs> and, it, and that's the way it started, because of retribution for us, trying to make some truth come out of Big Mama's travail. Very interesting. Well, you know, and that, that leads us to the point that it's important for us to tell our own stories. That's true. Very It's very, very vital that we tell our own stories, and I know the stories that you painted just verbally for us uh, our last conversation was really fascinating. So I know the book is going to uh, have us all wrapped up in some of your adventures. Who, besides Big Mama Thornton, um, who are some of the other people that you work with that you feel influenced you, even earlier uh, in your childhood even? Well, you know, uh, I some. Somebody gave me the gift of a of a little portable radio, one of the first ones, and I used to listen to it under the cover <laughs> uh, <laughs> late at night. <laughs> and I I heard a vocalist. Her name was Lee Wiley, and uh, you uh-huh. probably never heard of her. But boy, when I heard her sing, I said, "Gee whiz, I like that." And then later I found out that she loved Billie Holiday. So uh, then I gradually got around to Billie Holiday. So between the two of them, Lee Wiley and Billie Holiday, it it really sort of pushed me over into uh, the jazz world because I was taking really uh, classical lessons at that time from uh, an Englishman named Reginald Riley. And he was from London, England. He uh, gave me my first – I took for him – took. Uh, Studied privately with him for about ten years, and so I wasn't playing jazz or anything except church. Now, when I started playing in church, I was about five. So the, between the church playing, you know, by ear really, uh, because you know somebody in the back would strike up a song, and you'd have to find the key real quick and to catch on and start playing. So it sort of stretched your ears. So between that and the private lessons. And listen to that radio late at night. It sort of put me in the mood for to be a musician. Very interesting. So was it Billy in particular that made pushed you towards jazz? Um, actually, um, I think it was necessity because uh, mm-hmm. I really wanted to be a, be an artist and uh, <laughs> In my life, I was a pretty good artist, and I did I did um, 
uh, protest very well. And I went uh, in all through school, grade school and high school. And so some of my work uh, they were going to display in the biggest department store in town on Main Street. And I won. I won. I won a, a scholarship to the Art Institute of Akron. And but when I showed up to pick it up for the prize at the at the department store, they found out I was black, and they said, "Or uh, 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 we think we made a mistake. Said perhaps you would rather have an outfit, but we pick out any outfit in the store you want." Boy, I was so mad. I cried all the way home. I remember walking. Home and stumbling home because we walked down to the. It wasn't too far from, from downtown, and I broke the heel on my shoe, and I and and, I, and my nose was running and my eyes were running. I said to myself, oh my God. I said I'm going to not be be an artist. I'm not going to be an artist. I said what I'm going to do is play the music because I can control my own destiny. I knew I would have more control than with art. So that's what really pushed me into. Here we go again with anger. And righteous anger. Wow, that seems mm-hmm. to be our story, huh? Yes, yes. But I'm glad it did, because you know I probably would be a 92 year old lady sitting in the garret with paintbrushes, all by my <laughs> with long straggly hair and a bump on my nose. Oh no, we shouldn't have that. But we're so happy that you did. We are all. So happy that you didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I what I was curious, really curious about, is that you know I asked you this before, but I, if you could get like in a little bit more detail about your creative process, you know I know that you pulled from the infinite, but I was curious if you, um, you know, just what do you do when when you feel the music coming on you? Uh, getting ready for a gig, you mean? Because that's where that's where you learn. That's where you learn. Because mm-hmm. I'm, uh, most of the time I eat very early. It's it's almost physical process at first. I eat very early, and um, I try not to talk or or let anything interfere with my getting ready to go to work. And um, by the time I get on the gig, I'm ready to get on that stage because. Uh, it is a process. You breathe different. You kind of be mm-hmm. quiet to yourself, and you kind of take in, take in, take, like the old people say, old musicians say, you got to take it in so you can put it out. Yeah. And that's exactly what 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 I would do. And it's hard to tell you, um, word for word, what that process is, but it is sort of going internal. And you really can't. I never could eat before I played. Uh, a lot of guys could eat a steak and then jump up on the stage and blow snakes, but I never could do that. I have to eat about two or three o'clock in the afternoon, and then I'm then I'm clear, you know. And um, that's the way it works. I see. I see. Jeannie, did you always sing, or did you were you just playing piano for a while? Well, most of the time. It, most of the time, I plan for other people, other than church. And jeez, um, uh, we would uh, the just like I told you, Lee Wilde and Billy Holiday uh, influenced me. But the guys that played behind them, like Lester Young and all, you know, I listened to those horn players, and we got into listening to bebop with Charlie Parker and big bands like Count Basie, and 
And sure enough, uh, when I took off and started playing in clubs, uh, it very quickly became um, the house band. At that time, they had house bands that would play for other artists and the mm-hmm. MC and the dancer, usually a dancer that, that took off all her clothes. Well, most Okay. Okay. So the house bands, uh, we had a chance to stay in a club maybe five, six months, you know. And my, one of the first house bands was right in my hometown, uh, 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 this guy named Booker Brooks on Howard Street in Akron. And uh, he, at that particular time, I played for a, a woman. <laughs> I'll never forget her. She was a, a, a contortionist. Her oh. name was Caledonia. And she was about 70 years old, which is weird. And But people came and filled that club up to watch her get on the floor and put her her uh, foot behind her head. And she'd do <laughs> We'd play uh, jazz, fast jazz music while she's doing it. Doing it. You know, the band's playing away, playing away. And she's doing really slowly, putting a, put, her, put her leg behind her head and look between the legs and, you know, a beautiful contortion. And she made it so artistic. And uh, she was a wonderful lady. And we play, also played for a guy named um, The Great Bender. Now, The Great Bender was also a contortionist. It, it's almost like having circus indoors in a funny way. Mm-hmm. But The Great Bender was different from uh, Caldonia in the fact that he would sit on the floor and put both legs behind his head. And then he'd take a, a, a glass of whiskey and drink it. And then he'd eat the glass. This this is true. Wow. And we played <laughs> and we played for a for a, for a young for a young man named blind fellow named Al Hibbler. I don't know if you all remember him or not. But he was a, a great baritone singer. Uh very uh demon he, he almost dramatic in his singing. Mm-hmm. And then after that house house band we went to uh uh Columbus, Ohio, to Mr. Flint's Trocadero. And mm-hmm. there we played for um, Larry Darnell. Remember the song? I don't know if you remember the song. For you, my love, I do most anything. We played for Wynonie Harris, uh, who was Joe, Papa Joe Jones' cousin, and he had a hit called um, uh, Don't Roll Those Bloodshot Eyes at Me. I can okay. tell you've been out on a spree. <laughs> but in the, in the intermissions, Wynonna Harris turned into to a, a palm reader and psychic. He put on his turban at intermissions and, and read people, <laughs> charge people to read the palms <laughs> and tell them. He was very good, too. He was, he was no joke. And so, and so yeah. So that, 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 I think that, that kind of um, experience from playing for all kinds of acts and all kinds of people, uh, made made me very sharp uh, as far as listening and and, uh, and catching up on changing keys when they when they sing off and and just just doing show business show business in general, you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 Well, that that sounds like a, a exciting film to me. It was. But tell oh, yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that on the screen. Yeah. But tell me. Um, when did you actually start singing? You know, when 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 did you well, become a singer as well as pianist? Well, actually, not till not till we got here on the West Coast in around 1980. 
Wow. Um, really. Uh, after, now, look, I'm 92. I've been playing since I was five. And I was always playing for somebody else until uh, about around the 80s. When we decided, when we start driving out here and to to the west from New York City, uh, with a little stop in Wisconsin where we taught at the University of Wisconsin, both of us, and uh, uh, I just, I told my husband, I said, you know, I said I'm 50 years old, which I was August 14th. I we arrived in L.A. and I was 50 years old, my 50th birthday, and I said, you know, I said we can play jazz all we want to. And I love it. I said, but times are changing. And I don't want to be in anybody. There's no more house bands. Nobody's Mm -hmm. going to see this kind of act. I said, so we have to decide what we're going to do for the rest of our life. He said, well, what what will that be? I said, the only thing I know that lasts through every uh, change of music and everything is the blues. Mm -hmm. And I knew how to play the blues because I had played for all these these people like Wynonna Harris and... And uh, and and uh, little Jimmy Scott and Jimmy Russian and jeez, you know, uh, Big Maybell and Jimmy Witherspoon. I played for all these singers, but but the blues singers seemed to last. So I said, well, and, and so I kept that in the back of my mind that that's what we would uh, kind of feature, you know. So that's what that's what that's what made us uh, change track. Now, although my husband was still doing a lot of writing and stuff okay. in Hollywood. Okay, so that's what got you singing. Well, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And you were and you were fifty at that time. Fifty years old when we came out here on the West Coast in 1977. Uh, yeah, that's that's wonderful, and that's a wonderful message also to show yes. you that it's never too late. It's never too late. You can always learn something new about yourself. Yes. That you you have all these like like you always have the like these jewels in a necklace. You know, and each each one of them is a different thing, and each one of them can add to your life. And so, I had heard I had played for all these blue singers, so I knew all their songs. <laughs> so I just decided, and and, yeah, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. You're a fabulous singer. That's interesting, and you know what? That that leads into really what's happening now in the world because people are finding that they have to reinvent themselves in some way. There you go. With the you coronavirus, you know, we're yes. not all able to get out. And, and the electronics. Shows. Yeah. So these electronics change the whole picture, you know, with uh, Beyonce and, all these people, all they, you know, they do little movies when they do music. They don't just do music; they're little movies. Yes, you know, yes, they indeed. they produce these shows where they can do their thing against a backdrop drop of all this stuff. You know, dancers, all the same line dancers that we played for in the forties. Now they have them in videos. Mhm. Well, mm-hmm. You see that? You see that connection? Absolutely. Uh-huh. Absolutely. So it it goes to show that as a art as artists we have to learn to be versatile uh, and willing to reinvent ourselves. That's true. Um, tell me, is, if you had a choice of of any artist, old or new, that uh, 
that you would like to collaborate with? Is there anybody that you find really interesting now that you wouldn't mind doing a song or two with? Uh, you're going to make a big hole in this show because right now I can't <laughs> think of... <laughs> okay, that's okay. I can't, I, can't, I can't really think of anyone. Okay. Uh, that, uh, and that's all that's it's all too right. Bad too. Because most of the people like uh that I play for like the Dakota Staten and and the Orioles and little Jimmy Scott and Jimmy Russian and and all those mm-hmm. people uh they're gone. They're they're gone. And uh I wouldn't know how uh, it, it, I don't know. I really had now that's something for me to think about. Because uh-huh. I'm thinking somebody younger uh I like a lot of the younger singers. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I can do what they do, but they can't do what I do. Aha! Uh-huh. See, that's where the lessons come in. Uh huh. That's see? where the, the that's where the problem. You. That's that's where the problem yeah. is. See, because well, I, I know what problem. they're doing. They don't know. They have no idea what 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 we what it takes to do what we do. Yeah, but you you mm-hmm. could teach and, and give by example. You know, because what you what you do is real music. Well, there is real. real music to them. For every generation has its own contribution, I think, to the art world. Yeah. I don't care what you know, it, it 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 may not we may not have you know, we may not be able to find a song from this era that Beyonce sang that will last past twenty twenty five. Mhm. You think about it. You can't, cause you can't hum. You can't. Uh, the the broader audience is not gonna sing, sing them. And uh, so, but you still like Stardust, and you still like Black Drawers. <laughs> 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 but for some reason, it's almost become a flagship number to end people's shows. You know, uh, yeah. a lot of country people. Sing, sing, meet me with your black dress. I see it all the time on iTunes and all those the the, the computer, you know. And they, yeah. they I see it on uh, I, uh, YouTube. Uh-huh. A lot of country guys, you know, singing, sing black dress. They make their own way version of it, but they do it. So, but you can't find too many artists uh, that I can think of, except probably. Um, oh well, I can't think right now. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of songs that last. You know that cross the generations. Yes. So these kids are I, doing their own thing, which is good. Yeah. And, well, and once in a while, somebody will come up with a, a song that forever. It's hard. It's hard to find. Yes, it's not as many as it used to be. What mm-hmm. What is What is one of your favorite songs that you sing? Um, I think I like uh, "What Do We Do for Fun." That's one of them. Mhm. Uh, I don't and, know. Uh, yeah, it's because uh, it's most of all the songs are taken from a slice of life, and I uh, and it, I think that song. I think that one is sort of one of my is, is favorites. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Besides Meet Me With Your Black Drawers. 
Are there are is there any particular story in the book, you know, that, that you think is really funny or they're all know, funny. I'm going to tell you the truth. Most? See, we lived our lives, everything, everything, from Ohio, the Middle West is a whole, is a storytelling area. And and I didn't realize that until after I wrote the book and I was trying to think, what I, you know, but we always sat on the porch in the evening and drank uh, sweet tea or lemonade, very sweet, Alabama lemonade, and, uh, mm-hmm. and listened to the older people tell stories, mm-hmm. you know, and also the snow up to your chin every winter make you sit inside. You you listen to stories, you tell each other things, and I think the Middle West really tops both any part of the country for for that knack of telling stories. Plus, they always have to have a humorous twist or scare the heck out of us. My mother used to scare the heck out of us talking about the hopper yards coming at night. Wow, that's that's a that's a goblin that hops a yard. They don't walk walk like regular folks. So she tell tell us that when we were kids, kids and scared scared that and scare us, you know. And so we've always grown up with stories. So it's sort of easy for us to do, you know, to 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 have a style. I think the Middle Western, I think is that. Okay, but being on the road with the guys in the band, you know, what's the most trouble you ever got in? You guys ever run into any incidents that really like, whoo, glad we got through that? Oh, every night. (laughs) Every night, every night, even before we leave, some of the guys, you know, they say, look, I say, we're leaving sunset. Okay, can you get a ticket for my girlfriend? I said, man, I'm not going to get a ticket for your girlfriend. I said, you have to buy the ticket for your girlfriend. I have to, I'd have to tell one or the other that before we even get out there. And uh, But we always had so much fun. And most of the guys in the band were were uh, college people, or they'd been in, in Ray Charles' band. Curtis was in Ray Charles' band. Uh, Richard R- Ricky Woodard was in Ray Charles' band. Uh, Hank Crawford was in Ray Charles. See, they were already trained in, uh, mm-hmm. in that plan. Yes, and uh, the other guys were, were very good, and all of them could read, and they had this special thing. They could play anything, any style, country music. They could, I, just like me, I could yodel. You know, we just love music, period. And so all of the guys were well-rounded. They didn't just stick to one style. They could play anything. And they played numerous instruments. All of the guys played all the reeds, like clarinet, uh, bass clarinet, uh, uh, didgeridoo. Uh, my, my baritone player played the, that Australian instrument, didgeridoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so everybody in the band, we, we thank God we seem to have attracted Fellows that were uh, pretty straight up. None of them used drugs. And uh, yeah, yeah, not in the, not in the Sweet Baby Blues band. And uh, Listen, most of I them didn't drink. I have to break in. This is Diva JC. We're down to oh. the last Oh, we're we have to oh, come back. Guys, we're having fun. <laughs> Oh my goodness! 
You feel oh. like I was in one of your living rooms. <laughs> so, oh, that was I'm, so fast. I hope we're able to do this again. I do, I would love but to. I want to ask a question, Libra. May I? Go ahead. Absolutely. Who do you want to play young Jeannie Cheatham? You do not have to answer me now, but we need a movie about. Yes. Oh, yes. What's that? I forgot that girl's name. What's her name? Um, uh, uh, Lauren, Lauren something. Uh, Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill. Yeah, she. I like her. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, anyway, my darlings, we will be back in August for Jeannie's birthday. Oh, great. That's okay. great. That's great. In the meantime, I love you. Have a beautiful weekend, and I'll talk to you both soon. Love you, All too. All right. Thank you again. It's been a pleasure. A never-ending pleasure. Thank you.